Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back, my friends, to the show that never ends. We're so glad you could attend. Come inside, come inside. There behind the glass stands a real blade of grass. Be careful as you pass. Move along, move along. Come inside, we'll show you how to start. Welcome to the big show, everybody. Seth Kamen's MIA for right now. He'll be on in a couple of minutes. Sean Palmer here. And you there. And today is the big NBA draft preview. Yes, I was wrong. Shocking how that happened. I thought it was next week. And then I wondered last week why there was so much talk about a trade involving the first pick in the draft. Why? Why would there be such such commotion, such conversation about the first pick being traded if we're two weeks out? So I did a little digging, which required typing in NBA draft on Google. And all of a sudden, I find out that it's not next week, but it's this week. So it's this Thursday night. I believe it's on ESPN. And we have our first trade of the draft. And that involves the number one pick in the draft. And when Seth comes on, we'll talk a little bit more about that insofar as the NBA draft. We have 30 picks. Seth and I do this every year. Every year, we screw it up. Every year, we screw it up. uh, There's been one year that I have done very, very well in the draft. And I believe it was actually the NFL draft. And I picked better than Mel Kuyper. But I'll tell you, that was a joke. So we have 30 picks. We know who the pick, the first pick is going to be. So chances are we at least get one right. One. Syracuse, my beloved Orange, will hopefully have a first rounder for, I believe, the fifth straight year. We have become the NBA draft factory, if you will, and that's Thursday night. So there we are. But before we talk about that, we have to talk a little bit about those Cleveland Cavaliers. And you would think that Dan Gilbert would have learned. You have an NBA team that is doing very well. You have a NBA team that has made the finals the last three years. All because of the work of two people. One, LeBron James, who is still the best player in basketball. I know you could talk about Kevin Durant, and we do. We talk about Kevin Durant a lot. But until LeBron 
has a bad season, even a bad series, LeBron James is still the best player in the NBA. I I will not entertain a notion that Kevin Durant is at that level yet, even though he's won the title. And the other guy, the other guy that deserves a whole lot of credit for the Cleveland Cavaliers' success is not Dan Gilbert, is not the owner. The owner pays money. The owner pays luxury tax. And look, without, luxury, without the luxury tax payments, the Cleveland Cavaliers are not an NBA championship team, and they're not in the NBA Finals this year. So you give credit to Dan Gilbert for being able to go above and beyond. Looks like we may have a caller here, which is surprising. Hi, you're on with Seth and Sean. Well, really, Sean. Who is this? How's it going? This is Tom. How you doing? From uh, a lot Hey, of Tom. How are you tonight? I'm doing good. I'm just tuning in, so I'm not entirely sure what you're talking about, but if you let me know, I could probably jump in. Oh, great. So where are you calling from? Um, uh, Los Angeles. I'm surprised, surprised, stuck in traffic, so I figured I'd call in. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So welcome. Uh, we're talking a little bit about Dan Gilbert and the, Dan Gilbert, the owner of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And we didn't get to the punchline, but the punchline is today that he fired David Griffin, the general manager that brought in all these wonderful players that was able to make a championship team out of a Cleveland team that really had nothing going for it. And Dan Gilbert, the modern-day George Steinbrenner, really bit his nose to spite his face today. Yeah, I think that um, it's interesting. I feel like the easy thing to do – see, like, I don't like Gilbert in general. I don't like him that much at all. I think the easy thing to do would be to criticize him on this. I think um, it's hard for me to call him cheap since he's paid so much for the luxury tax here. I think that – I don't know. It's kind of the same thing as saying, like, Tyrone Lue is a good or a bad coach when you know LeBron James is basically in charge of the team. I think that uh, while David Griffin has done a nice job, I think he's done some smart things in the sense that he, for example, when he traded for Corver or traded for some other people, um, I think that there were some things that he did uh, that were smart in terms of trading first-round picks, yes, but also putting uh, protections on them for the top 12 or top 15, which essentially means that if the Cavs ever lose LeBron and become bad again, that those picks aren't going to come back and bite them in the ass. But I also think that David uh, Griffin, I mean, he was put between a rock and a hard place, but, I mean, I don't want to laud the guy too much for LeBron deciding to come back, for flipping Andrew Wiggins for Kevin Love, which was in reality actually a poor decision in terms of talent, uh, for overpaying him on Shumpert, getting forced into overpaying for Thompson by uh, um, uh, a LeBron James, overpaying for J.R. Smith when there really wasn't anyone else that was even bidding for him or would he, that would have made sense. I, I think he's done a nice job of building a deep roster, but at the same time their flexibility is almost zero. So I think you've got to give Griffin credit because he's, he's definitely done a pretty good job, but I don't want to act like this guy's like Jerry West here. Uh, no, Dan well, Gilbert didn't well, want to let's, pay him $10 million. Let's, 
Well, let's understand. David Griffin was paid $2 million, where most general managers were paid far more than that, if not double that. Number two, David Griffin has to put up with Dan Gilbert. He's like the Brian Cashman <laughs> of the NBA. And that has to count for something. Number three. At least $2 million. He, LeBron James does not stay without David Griffin. He said it. He, would have been, he, he didn't want to come. He certainly didn't want to come because of Dan Gilbert. We know that. So when you make a decision for your general manager, and now he's looking at Chauncey Billups, who knows nothing about the NBA as far as front right. office personnel, you've you got to say you had your cake. You had it. You had the guy. You're paying Tristan Thompson $10 million a year. Now, granted, David Griffin's the one signed him. I get that. You're paying – actually, you're paying him like $16. you you got J.R. Smith, who you're paying $14 million a year. You're paying each of these guys a ridiculous amount of money. Griffin wants a million dollars. Come on. He's, he's, he's the architect here. You, you can't get rid of the architect for, just because you have a problem with notoriety. And I think that's really what happened. I would Seth, you got any ideas on this? Uh got quite a few. I mean, uh, the whole idea of like Gilbert, I, again, I missed the beginning of the conversation, but that Gilbert is, um, has been unable to keep a GM. He doesn't seem to value the position a heck of a lot, having had four GMs of 12, was it 12 years. The reality is they blo- he blocked him from interviewing in Orlando. He blocked him from interviewing in Milwaukee. He blocked him from interviewing in Atlanta. And now, but, you know, with the contract expiring at the end of June, the guy brought in, look, the best out of, out of not great situations. I mean, you know, who knows what Darren Williams had left, but you wanted to back a point guard. You wanted a three-point shooter to get you Carver. You know, it was a reasonable sacrifices to get things done. And, you know, to be paying the bottom three or bottom four of GMs, when yeah, you have LeBron, you have LeBron, which didn't take brain surgery to, to bring in, but he had done his job. He had done his job at a, at a pretty good, at a solid level. So the idea of him making half of what other GMs made and being precluded from interviewing at other places, you know, I can't. You know, short of it again, yeah, maybe a chance he also go there. But Christ, can you imagine an experienced GM wanting to go anywhere near that situation at this point? Here's the thing. Bill is talking about the best he can get. Gilbert, Gilbert's going to get what he uh, deserves here because I, I think that these rumblings that James is gone after next year are not just rumblings. Um, I, I think Gilbert's going to get what's actually coming to him, and the only reason his franchise is going to be saved is because Griffin, unlike a lot of GMs when a team is like this, was smart enough to – trade first-round picks, but not dangerously mortgage the future, right? If the Cavs become a lottery team again, they still have most of their picks. Um, they just, they're, they're just not going to have their picks if they continue to pick in you know, the 20s. So I think Gilbert's going to get what's coming to him, but what do you guys think about, I mean, all the other stuff going on in the NBA? A season's been done for five days. I feel like, <laughs> like it's not even a break here. Yeah. 
it has been an interesting few days to say the least, you know, going into a draft in 48 hours. Um, you know, Paul, I'm kind of interested, you know, Sean, your view in regards to George announcing publicly that he, you know, that he won't be resigning with Indiana and most likely will end up in LA because while you kind of had a feeling something along these lines was happening, it, it is pretty much precluded from Indiana from really, you know, I'm curious to see what kind of value Indiana can get for George at this point, because when you, you know, even if we were pretty sure that this is how this was going to play out, it's a hundred percent certainty is lower his trade value, but what, so what, like pennies or a dime or a quarter on the dollar. I mean, do you think he can, they can even get, get Kevin Love on the, in the off of this? I yes. don't. Yes, absolutely. They can. Absolutely. I, I don't think this, this minimizes his trade value at all because to teams that believe that they could have re-signed him anyway are still going to believe that they can re-sign him. You got the Celtics, you got the Cavaliers, you got the Rockets, the Spurs. All these teams believe that if we can bring him to a winning environment, he'll sign, he'll re-sign. We'll take, we'll take the risk. I think it's a good risk to take. Kevin Love, look, that team, the Cavaliers, we discussed this last week. That team is not going any further than they did this year. They just don't have the athletes. So is it worth it if you're the Cleveland Cavaliers to take a trade of Kevin Love for Paul George? You win one more championship, if you can. And you suffer for three years. I'll take two championships. Look, I haven't had a championship in 30 years. I'll take it. I'll take it for one year. I'll take it in one sport. I don't care. I just want one. But the fans would be – look, I've always said, fans are much more knowledgeable than anybody gives them credit for. We would take a championship for four years of mediocrity. Your Giants do it. Every four years, your Giants somehow win a championship and then are mediocre for four years. And then you take another championship and then they're mediocre for four years. And you know what? As a Jets fan, I'm going to be at one in 15 and say, please, thank God we suck that much. But I really think that the Cavaliers and the Cavalier fans will be fine with that. I really do. And then if you have to sell off J.R. Smith for pennies on the dollar at 20, at $12 million, $12 million don't look so bad anymore in the NBA. Sean, I have to get, off, a little while. I'll call, I have to get I mean, off for a little while. I will call back, I'll call back in shortly. My apologies. All right. Sounds good. I no mean, um, the one thing that I would definitely say on that, though, is that uh, if I'm the Cavs and I can get Paul George for the love, even if it's a one-year rental, I do it every single time, right? Because I, 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 yep. I actually think a love is pretty good. I think, unfortunately – we're in a situation here where a team needs to gear up for one specific team, Golden State Warriors. And Kevin Love can't really work against the Golden State Warriors. You just need, you need someone like George. My big question to that would be, Love is not going to be happy about going to the Indiana Pacers. I can't imagine he's going to take that well. Uh, I don't think Love is the kind of player that the Indiana Pacers necessarily need or want. I guess he has some value. You could trade him for other things. But if I'm the Pacers, I want – small contracts and young guys. I'd love is not, I'm not willing to just let Paul George go for love. I don't think that's exactly what I would, what I would want to want to do. 
My big, my big thing is, is if Paul George was the only person on the market, then okay. But in reality, there's not a lot. Like the San Antonio Spurs, that would be amazing. They don't have anything to give. You're, you're, you're going to have to throw together. Unless the Larry Bird thinks uh, DeJounte Murray is the second coming of Chris Paul, the, the San Antonio Spurs have no assets other than like a Danny Green type package, which I don't know why the – the Pacers would want that, that, that gives them anything. Additionally, you have Jimmy Butler out there who has a better contract and is on the books for two years and I think is debatably yep. a better all-around, better all-around player. You have this thing leaking that apparently Porzingis at the very least is gettable, which is you could talk about the Knicks all day if you really wanted to. It's a whole different situation. Um, <laughs> oh, that was my next case. That was my, that was my and, I'll, and I'll ask you the question. I, I agree with you. Okay, Butler's got a better contract. Butler's not the same type of player. Butler's not a player that can guard Kevin Durant. He can't. He's six foot five. Durant's six foot ten. It's not going to happen. You just can't do it. He can't yeah, do it. For, I mean, he can't do it for the entire game. He can't do it as a one on one defender. Guard Curry. What? Guard Curry. He could guard, guard Curry, Curry and, yeah, but the point. But the point is. Durant's the one that you need to guard. You could stick J.R. Smith. You could stick Iman Shumpert. Really, I'm on Shumpert. You could stick him on, on Curry. They did it last year. It worked. The guy that they couldn't guard this year was Kevin Durant. And you need a 6'10 guy that could guard Kevin Durant. And Paul George is that Swiss Army knife. Not to say you can get him. Just saying that's what it is. Let's talk about this. I mean, so, I got you on for a couple more minutes. I, I, I'm going to ask you a very simple question. All right. This is the proposed trade on the, on the floor. You tell me who says no, if anybody says no. The Knicks call up Danny Ainge and say, we will give you Porzingis. You must take Carmelo Anthony as part of the deal. Now, what we will give you back is we will give you Jay Crowder, Avery, Bra- Avery Bradley, Jalen Brown, and the number three pick in the draft. Who says no? So, because the Knicks are, – are you a Knicks fan? Because I want to know how mean I should be to the Knicks. <laughs> oh, no, you can be you as mean expect? as you want. I, 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 okay. By the way, sources are saying, I just saw this, sources are saying that the Lakers are trading Mozgov and D'Angelo Russell for Brooke Lopez and the 27th pick in the draft. That can't be true. I think I that's a steal for the Nets. I will, kill I will kill myself if that's true. How is that possible? All right, well, I'll, if that's actually the truth, I will never forgive the Lakers, ever in the history of time. But, <laughs> Uh, I hope that's not true. That's all right. So I'm, I am a Nick. I am a Nick wow, fan, wait. but I have been killing the Knicks since they let go of Donnie Walsh. So if you want to, if you want to wow, rip them, go so for wait, it. They really. Oh my God! That's I. I was just about to insult the Knicks, but now I have to insult my own team. Oh my God! Um, Are you seeing this? The twenty seventh pick. So they got nothing. No, they got Brook Lopez. Oh, and it's, they got Brooke Lopez in the 27th pick. Now, 
Brooke Lopez is a free agent after. Brooke Lopez is a free agent after next year, so they drop the salary, so they don't have to pay Mozgov sixteen million dollars until the next decade. Yeah, but you, they they, they signed a contract last year that made them have to give up D'Angelo Russell for nothing. Oh my God, this is like okay. So I was about to go in on the Knicks and have to go in on my own team after after this. So you're saying first off, you trade Porzingis and um, Melo for Jay Crowder, Avery Bradley, Jalen Brown, and the number three pick. If I'm the Knicks, I would. Do, I'm asking you. By the way, that that trade that I just said, the Moscow trade, is all over the internet. I know. God, I just read this. I'm so bad. Anyway, but on a side note, I, I I think the biggest problem with what's happening is that the Knicks have been so inept in their front office and so horrible PR-wise that Carmelo is now thought of as this, like, negative asset that people have to take. Like, no. Carmelo is still I, the second best is still the second best player in that trade that you just threw out, and Porzingis is the first. So you're trading the two best okay. players in the trade for what I apparently would probably be, like, Josh Jackson or Jason Tatum. And, uh-huh. the, and like, I mean, no, Porzingis is – I I honestly don't even know if I would trade Porzingis for all that stuff. I, I honestly wouldn't even okay, trade so Porzingis for all that. I think Porzingis so, so is here, a, the, here, yeah. here it comes from a Knicks fan, okay? And this is why Knicks fans would be okay with this trade, okay? And I, I grant you that Carmelo is probably the second best player in that trade. Okay. It allows the Knicks to start over. They are under the cap. They are not paying Carmelo two years at $25 million. They start with Jalen Brown, the number three pick last year. They start with the number three pick this year. They start with Avery Bradley, who, granted, is a 27-year-old player, but certainly could be flipped for something else. And they start with Jay Crowder, who is, has the best contract in the NBA. By far, not even close. Now, let me ask you this. If the Knicks subbed out, if they didn't take the number three pick this year and were able to take the Nets pick next year, would that make this better for you? If they subbed out the number three this pick this year and took the Nets pick next year, um, I still just, why are you trading for Porter He's The best thing that's happened to the New York Knicks in – 20 years like he's the he's the first time they've ever like he is a it's not his fault that Phil Jackson is trying to run the triangle offense to get mid-range jumpers like it's not his fault that they're not running pick and roll offense and like they have like he is a seven foot 20 year old center who can defend the rim rebound and shoot threes that's what he can do agreed there is maybe there's there's I don't want to give him up so then, I don't want to fire. Just they need to just not. They need to just like honestly, like what the Knicks need to do is instead of focusing on trades for poor Zingas, they need to fire Jackson and figure out a way to like cryogenically freeze James Dolan. <laughs> like because Porzingis <laughs> should not. Porzingis should not be traded. Like okay, if the Celtics literally are like take um, the if they still had the first pick, if they said take full and our Nets pick next year, and the Knicks are so determined they have to trade Porzingis, you at least say, okay, 
I guess maybe we'll do that. If like Porzingis is the worst person, but like even then, it's like, what are you telling your fans? Like the Knicks fans need. Granted, I'm going to need some moral support after this trade that just went through. But like <laughs> <laughs> the Knicks fans, God, it's been a bad few years for the Knicks and the Lakers. Oh my God! Look, I am Knicks a Knicks fan. fan. Are you just. You just heard me. I haven't had a championship in 30 years. 30. And, the last championship and, my team's won was in 1986. Here's what's most upsetting about the Knicks, is that we're sitting here talking about how do you trade Porzingis, when in reality, the Knicks have a 32, 33-year-old uh, guy who, yes, he's past his prime, but let's not, let's not bury Melo yet. In a, the right situation, Melo can still be very good. You have Zingis, who's a 20-year-old guy on the, on the verge of superstardom who's on a contract that pays him $6 million a year. They've decided yep. for some reason to sign Joe Team Noah, even though God knows why, but, I'm, but like, they... Because they're the Knicks. They should, be, they, they should be in a situation where they're talking about, oh, maybe we should add Chris Paul, or maybe we should... But instead, they're talking about how do we get rid of everyone so we can restart the same exact cycle that's going to happen again, except this time they're not going to luck into Porzingis. Like, if I am the Knicks, I don't trust myself to draft anyone. <laughs> if I'm a Knicks fan, I don't okay. trust them to draft anyone or sign anyone. So you have Por- Por- Porzingis, hold on to him for dear life, and just hope that you get, like, that, that brief oasis in the desert, like a Donnie Walsh for two years, who comes in and actually builds, like, a oh. somewhat respectable team before, before Dolan forces him out. Like, you know, maybe fire fire Phil Jackson and hire Griffin. I mean, he'll only last for two years, but maybe he can do some smart things in two years that gets you a little closer to where you need to be. But, no, I mean, there's so few things I'd accept for for Zingas. I mean, the funny thing is I was going to talk about Let me run another trade by you, you being a Lakers fan, Okay. The Lakers give up the twenty, give up Timothy Mozgov and D'Angelo Russell for the twenty seventh pick at Brook Lopez. Do you do it? Sorry, leave me alone. Leave me alone. Can you imagine? Can, can, can you imagine if you said that out loud to me like twenty minutes ago? I'd have been like, uh huh. You were doing second, that. Second, you were doing that five minutes ago. I just because I was like, come on. The, the second that they signed the Mozgov, the Mozgov and Dan contract, I have this friend who's like the optimistic sports fan that always wants to like give people the benefit of the doubt. And I was like, you just sure. signed two contracts by your own choice at like 12:01, the second free agency started, that we will have to attach very serious assets to get rid of. The only reason that we yep. attach Russell instead of another serious asset is that the Lakers are so terrified over what trading these draft picks have done to them over the last four years of us sweating it down to the wire every time that they decided they had to get rid of a player. And I mean, now I will say this: clearly they're getting rid of Mozgov because they think they're about to unload on free agency next, next, next year. And if this is true, yes. okay. Because you had to get rid of that Mozgov contract. The rest of the contract, dang is infinitely more tradable than, than um, uh, the, uh, a Mozgov contract, especially if there's only two years, two years left on it. But I'll say this: I would have made the Brooklyn Nets. I would have, I, I, I would have rather taken out the 27th pick, and I would have forced them to take Dang too. Because if you're giving up Russell, I mean, he was a number two pick three years ago, and he, and it's not like he's been bad. He's not good on defense, but like the guy is gonna 
the guy has decent potential. I, I haven't loved him though, to be dead honest with you. I'm not like, I'm not distraught. By no, it. it's just, it's just the twenty seventh uh, pick is know, coming back. The twenty seventh pick is coming back to you guys. Well, I'll tell you what's very interesting now is we now have the twenty seventh. No, you know that, right? Pick. You guys are, you guys are getting that pick. You guys are getting twenty seven. Oh, you have, I'm you have twenty eight. I would have I would have loved to take the twenty seven pick off the table and said take Dang too. Not that they'd do that, but like there's no no chance. No chance. You, you can't trade fifty I mean, who do million we, who, in a cap. Well the Nets fifty have million like in a cap. The Nets have like five dollars on the books. But I mean ugh, man. That's a big I'm a big D'Angelo Russell fan, but I I'm also seeing him through like beer goggles, so it's like I, I mean, you're, you're seeing. You, does D'Angelo Russell become the player that you believe he would be with Lonzo Ball there? My worry is that it is the answer is yes, but the problem with it is is that watching the Golden State Warriors play defense in the finals just made you realize like you just you're not going to win with. I mean, D'Angelo Russell can shoot threes. He can handle the ball. He's a good player, but his athleticism is not necessarily there. His effort is not necessarily there. His defensive upside is almost non-existent, and he doesn't really finish at the rim. So you're looking at a guy who could be a 23 to 24 um, point per game scorer, but to get there, he's going to have to hit 40% of his threes, maybe even more, maybe even 40, 43, 44. So you're basically saying... I don't know. When I settle down on well, you're basically well, you're basically saying is he needs to be Stephen Curry from three. Yeah, which is not going to happen. So I'm not upset about Russell. Right. It's just that's that's very low value, right? Like I don't love Russell, but Russell does make sense on other people's teams, and to get no usable assets back for him because we're not re-signing Lopez um, is. I mean, I was upset that we were going to get the 10th pick or something like that. But, like, at this point, it's like you take the 10th pick. But, what I, I mean, Mozgov's gone. But the fact of the matter is, is that they signed a contract that forced them to get rid of D'Angelo Russell for nothing. And, like, yep, I guess that is what it is. Well, um, by the way, you, you may still re-sign Lopez. And there is a way to do that, which is Lopez will retain early, uh, Larry Bergwrights after this year even with the Lakers, because he's being traded more than a year before free agency. So yeah, but do you, if, do you you want sign, to Lopez? if you sign enough people under the cap space, which the Lakers will have an abundance of cap space because the only player that they have on a major contract would be Luol Deng, then you would be able oh, – I'm sorry, Clarkson's also under a contract. You would be able to then – hold off and sign Lopez over the cap at that point. It, it is well, possible. Guess, I'm not saying it's likely. So I guess here's the way that this makes sense. And this is the only way I think this, this, this makes sense. With Mozgov <laughs> gone, with Mozgov yep. gone, so they, they were going to have $30 million in cap space before the year started. Mozgov's now gone. That's, yep. Now it's up to 46 million. D'Angelo Russell's gone. Lopez, I don't think they're going to re-sign next year. So I'm just going to assume he's not there and uh, uh, Russell's gone. That's an $8 million cap hold. So now you're up to $54 million. 
then all of a sudden, you know, Clarkson's not Mozgov. You can just give Clarkson away. Someone will take him into cap space. He's fine. So worst case scenario, you give him away. Now there's $12 million. Now you're up to uh, 66 and all this, and then Nick Young yeah, fires, and you're up to 71. So all of a sudden, now you're looking at Russell Westbrook and Paul George, and okay, sure. But you got to sign Russell Westbrook and Paul George. So, yeah. If we look oh, back on the no, NBA, you're not, you're not signing Russell Westbrook. I, 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 I think you're looking at LeBron James. You really think that's – I mean, that's the one I'm not going to put any – money in the piggy bank on you really think well, LeBron you James just is coming? Let, let, let's let's put it this way you just put out there that you believe dan gilbert's going to get his due yeah. well if he's going to get his due lebron's only going to one place then the real thing becomes is then you have to trade for paul george now and you don't sign him to the yep. extension because if you don't if you get him right. now and don't have to take him into cap space then he doesn't necessarily count against the cap, or he has a smaller cap hold. He has like a $20 million cap hold. And then if you can maneuver some things, see, this is ridiculous, though. Like, I'm about to give you a scenario in which Lakers get Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and a LeBron James, and someone should just punch me in the face right now. So, like, it's not <laughs> – I don't – like, the problem with trades like this is that it gets your head spinning, that the team is playing chess and thinking so many moves ahead, and I never think that's yeah. the case. I don't, I don't think the Lakers are playing chess right now while other people are playing checkers. I think Mozgov's contracts suck, and they, they clearly know something. They're clearly, they're, there's no reason to do this now because there's no reason. You, this would have always been out there. You can always attach D'Angelo Russell to Mozgov, and someone will take him for nothing. That's, that I, whether Russell has the same season he had last year, you can always do that because that's all, always there. So what this makes me wonder is why do this right now because, what, like, you don't just get well, there rid is, of salary for no reason. Like, you yeah, but there is one thing salary. that there is one thing that you have to look at here. And I know you you're going to hear about it, and you're going to say, "Well, that's the garbage part of the deal." When you have that many top salaries, which is what Golden State is going to feel in two years, the only way that you can fill in those salaries fill in those missing pieces, draft choices is picks. And with the Lakers not having their pick next year, they need to have minimum type players that are good players or at least decent fillers. And getting that first round pick this year allows for that to happen. So yes, yeah. you can always dump, you can always dump Moskov with D'Angelo Russell. I agree. But can you – the Nets had two first-round picks, right? So you need to find another team that has a first-round pick that would trade for it. And D'Angelo Russell is about to get pretty expensive. He's not expensive today, but, in, but starting next year when he can get an extension, he, he is becoming expensive. So I really do thank you for calling in. We, we have to get to our NBA draft Preview. Set your style back in. So I really appreciate it. Uh, I, well, at least, what were the odds that you were going to break that trade to a Lakers fan? There you go. Oh, Thanks again. Have a great day. Seth, you on? I am back. 
and someone better okay. have it. Well, we have <laughs> we have fifty we have fifty five minutes, so we gotta we gotta jump right into the NBA draft. Thirty thirty picks, fifty five minutes. I assume you heard about that trade that just went down. Lopez in twenty seven for D'Angelo in Moscow. Yeah, and the guy that we were just mm. talking to, who we really do thank for coming on, was a Laker fan. He cannot believe that that trade went down. <laughs> I don't even know what to make out of that trade. Uh, well, we can, we can talk about that more next week when, when the free agency comes on because I think a lot will be said based on that. But we really do have to get to our draft. So I'm plugging in Seth and Sean. And, okay, Seth, can we both agree on – Markel Fultz with the first pick in the draft. Agreed. Okay. Second pick in the draft. Who do you have, my friend? Well, as much as I'd kind of like to not see this happen, obviously with D'Angelo Russell being traded, um, it does open up the point, a point guard situation that was kind of nebulous anyway. Um, Lavar is getting his witch. They're going Lonzo. I agree, and, and I'm not going to discuss it any more than I believe that D'Angelo would not have achieved any potential with Lonzo Ball there. So I think that's why they tra- they're trading him anyway. Okay, Boston is the linchpin of this draft. I think that there are two spots which are linchpins, number three and number six. So with the Boston pick, I think they're taking the guy that they wanted all along in Josh Jackson. I go back and forth between Jackson and Tatum. Um, they need a score. I mean, which would be Tatum. But I agree. I think at the end of the day, the, the issue is also Josh Jackson decided not to work out for the Celtics, which I kind of find a bit confusing. Um, I'm going to go with Jackson, but well, very hesitantly. Okay. So I have either Josh Jackson or or Jonathan Isaac, to be fair, in the in the from Florida State. I don't think. Remember, he didn't work out for them, not after the trade. He didn't work out with them before right. the trade for the number one pick. Right, understood. Right, and if you're Josh Jackson, why are you putting on a show where you conceivably could be bad and ruin and lose some stock? if there's no chance of that team taking you to begin with. And if you recall, there are teams such as the Golden State Warriors that have picked people that they did not work out, and they never worked out Stephen Curry. So, no, understood. This, happens, right, this number, happens all the time. Yep. Number four to Phoenix, and this is where Tatum goes to me. Yeah, this is where I have him as well. The only two – Real possibilities are him or D'Angelo or uh, the Aaron Fox, but they seem they have a glutted point guard at this point anyway. So they could use a nice secondary score to, to Devin Booker, and Tatum makes all the sense in the world. I was about to say, how many point guards can Sacramento have? They just traded like six of them to get out of this hole, and now they have two. Finally, and maybe they'll go back into it. Okay. Sacramento gets their wish. They get DeAndre Fox. 
De'Aaron Fox, excuse me, the point guard, and they need a point guard so badly in Sacramento. Yeah, there's no, no real question about that. Um, you know, he, he makes the most sense. He's a leader type. He's a good defensive player, which they haven't had. He's quick. You know, if he, if he could, him and Buddy healed. You know, Buddy has is, is, is played pretty well, actually, since the, since the, since the boogie trade. Um, and, and it gives you a backcourt for the next few years. And then at number 10, you can kind of, you can kind of go in, other, in, other, in a significantly other direction. And we're going we're gonna to get to that in a second. Number six, I have the second linchpin of the draft to me, the Orlando Magic take Jonathan Isaac. I think this is the group from Milwaukee. They came as a, as a pair, Jonathan Hammond, and I can't remember the, the president's name, but the last guy that they picked that was long, lanky, and could do everything made the All-NBA team this year in Giannis Akadbatuko. I think Jonathan Isaac's you, you, you were pretty close on that, uh, on the pronunciation. Um, Darn it. I go back and forth on Isaac and because Alfred Payton hasn't really developed into the point guard that was anticipated. Um, I'm, I'm not really enjoying sharing all these picks with being pretty much on the same wavelength with you on these picks. Uh, so it's, it's It'll change Genesis soon enough. I'm sure. It'll um, change. So I guess I, I'm going to go with Isaac at six as well. His, his, his upside is just too good. Okay, Minnesota, where are you? Uh, Minnesota, you look around Minnesota, they, they have a three, they have a four, they have a couple of ones, so you're looking two or four. And I think you're, you're looking at a four who can shoot and who, who can kind of the stretch four, who can open up the lane for, uh, for Towns. So I think you're going marketing the power forward from Arizona. Wow. Well, that is where we will stop. Okay, I have Minnesota going with a two, and I have them taking Malik Monk, who is probably the best shooter in the draft. And here we are with the Knicks pick. <laughs> and I will take I will take the Knicks pick first, um, yep. given that they are my team. And look, the Knicks are going to do everything I don't want them to do. They have the point guards here. They have, unfortunately, they have two of them. They have the guy out of France, Frank Nick, Nick I cannot pronounce this game, Nicolatina, I think it is, Nicolatina. And they have the guy that I want in Dennis Smith, who when I saw Dennis Smith play against Syracuse, I was like, this is the guy I want. And Dennis Smith has probably, outside of faults, in my opinion, the most talent in this draft. And knowing the Knicks, and because I'm predicting what the Knicks will do, not what, they, not what I hope they will do, I'm going with the guy from France. And I'm hoping I am dead wrong. Dead wrong here. I just don't think I'm going to be. Yeah, I don't like either point guard for the Knicks, because to be honest, I think it's very difficult. Remember, you know, Phil Jackson still has as hard as it is to believe two more years uh, of running the team and Hornacek being forced to kind of run the pseudo, uh, the, the pseudo triangle offense, either him nor Dennis Smith is the right point guard to run this, to, to be part of this. 
you need a shooter. And I think the Knicks go for Malik Monk. See, I wouldn't be I I wouldn't be upset about that at all. I wouldn't. I don't think you should be. Score, sc- score in New York would not be upset about that. I just don't have him on the board. Okay, Dallas. Where do you have Dallas going? Dallas goes for a point guard. Um, Yogi Ferrell is not the answer, and Darren Williams obviously left and went to go to Cleveland to chase a ring. So you're looking either Smith or uh, or Nikolina. And I think and the way Dallas picks and the way Dallas's organization is built. Um, I think, I mean, I, I think they go for Nidaklina. They're they're a team that's a couple that's a couple rounds away, a couple years away from being relevant again as Nowitzki's prime kind of dies down. Um, an eighteen-year-old point guard he has plenty of time to develop, so that's where I think they go. Well, I completely agree with you that they have that they need a point guard, and the last of the point guards is here, and that is Dennis Smith to me. Um, like I said, I hope the Knicks get him a pick before because I believe that he is the key. He will, he would do very well in a Nick uniform. Unfortunately, you're right. None of these point guards can play the triangle in my opinion. Okay. Number 11, Charlotte. Or number, number 10. Oh, sorry. Number 10. Number 10 Charlotte. Yeah, I said, no, I'm sorry. Number, I said number 10 I'm is sorry, Sacramento. Number 10. Oh, Oh, I so. skipped them. Okay. Sacramento. There you go. So we're looking at Sacramento. We got you, you pick your point guard. You have your two guard. You have Coley Stein as your center. You need a forward. So there's a couple names out there that make sense to me. Um, you can look at you can look at Harry Giles, which is high risk, high reward. Where I'm debating, but I think at the end of the day, I think they go a little bit safer. They go for they go from the big the uh, kind of the, the power forward from 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 Gonzaga who is so good in the tournament. I think they go for Zach Collins. Well, I would agree, but Zach Collins isn't a power forward; he's a center. And he's a both. I think both. part of the re- I think the part of the reason is that there isn't a power forward here. Uh, there is not a. They would love to have Jonathan Isaac fall. That would be perfect for them. Or they may take Marcan here. Um, but Markham's more of a outside shooter type deal. So I have, uh, I have Collins going here as well because I think he's just the best available. Okay, 11 to Charlotte. Charlotte needs some outside shooting. I think this is where the floor with Markham goes. Sorry, Markkanen goes. And this is where... I, they need go, they need a bunch they need offense. So the problem is their best player is Kemba Walker. So I'm not sure if Dennis if Smith, although he's a, played at NC State, is the best pick here. So I have him flowing a little bit further. I'm going to go Donovan Mitchell, uh, the guard from Louisville, big, big, a little bit bigger, stronger, extremely athletic. Um, so I, that to me makes sense. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Donovan Mitchell. Um, just athletic. He may be the outside of Isaac. He may have the best upside in the draft. Like what from where he is today to where he will be tomorrow. I think the Delta is bigger on Mitchell than probably anybody outside of Isaac. Uh, Okay. Detroit. Detroit needs shooting to me. They have a Contarius Pope. They could use a little bit more shooting. 
They could go a Luke Kennard here. Or they could look for somebody that kind of meshes with Andre Drummond, that plays more of a, a power forward type deal. And I'm going to take the sophomore out of Wake Forest and John Collins. Okay. Detroit needs a point guard. Reggie Jackson has not been the answer uh, despite his huge contract. Um, we don't know what KCP, I mean, although he's a shooting guard, you know, I, I believe he's a restricted free agent. Um, you need some athleticism. This is where I got, this is the four for Dennis Smith in my mind. I agree. If he's falling beyond Dallas, I believe I, Sacramento doesn't take him. Charlotte doesn't take him. I think Detroit, you're absolutely right. Okay, where do you have going for Denver? And we're moving along. I'm loving this. 20 minutes and we're down 13 picks. I'm loving this. There you go. All right, so Denver Denver has, Denver has is a best player available kind of guy, team. There's no super need, but there's no superstar in any direction. Um, they could lose Gallinari, so they may need a 3 and D guy. And they're not winning a championship this year, so you can take, a, take again, a, t- a risk on a guy like a Giles. But I think they'd take a risk, actually, on the forward from uh, Indiana, Anunobi. Good defensive player, and he can upside, good upside guy. And he's got with, – with that team, they can take their time and build him as he re- when he recovers from a torn ACL. Yeah, he's definitely uh... – not going to – well, not definitely, but he's unlikely to play next year. I think Denver, you're right. I think Gallinari's a free agent, and they need some shooting. They do have um, the point guard – the heck is his name? Not Moonday. Who's the guy that they – Jamal Murray, the shooting guard? Um, yeah, the shooting him and Gary Harris are, the two, are kind of the 2-3 combo. Yeah, so does Luke Kennard really make sense here? Probably not, given he's a 6-6 shooting guard. But you're right. It's best player available. And where is the best player? I'm struggling here because I'm I'm looking at this list, and I like your pick for the reasoning that they can sit him for an entire year. And I'm going to stick with you. I think you're right. Ananubi. There you go. Thank you. Okay, Miami to me is Luke Kennard or Donovan Mitchell. Very different players. Donovan Mitchell is much more athletic. Luke Kennard is a shooter. I think they need a two. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Donovan Mitchell here, which is surprising because I did have Kennard shooting up my draft, and it seems like he's just coming right back to where I started. Yeah, I mean, as you said, Miami. You know, they're a team built right now on Dragic and Whiteside. So you could go power forward. You could go TJ Leaf or, in my mind, Collins. But I think you go for the best shooter in the draft in Kennard because uh, Tyler Johnson didn't particularly develop. Uh, they, 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 need, they need shooting. And the, especially with waiters, you know, as your two guard, um, but he's, a, you know, he's not really a shooter per se, as you know, as a Q's guy, more of a scorer than anything else. So I, I think the shooting, I think Kennard makes the most sense to me. Okay. Portland with their first of three first-round picks. For, before we go there, do you think that they keep all three? Yeah, I just think that I, the problem is I, I don't know who what they're – you know, 
you trade, you're not going to trade, you're going to trade McCollum in a first round for what? You're going to, you have, it seems like Portland has three parts of the puzzle right now. They got the center they got from Denver, um, Nordich, who just, Nordich, who got yep. hurt. You know, they have the backcourt, although they have no defense. There's not much of a defense there. So, you know, in my mind, you take a couple forwards if possible, and then you kind of, you take a, you take a flyer on one of the guys and you take another guy to go overseas. Okay. So who's Unless your guy? You, yeah. So I have, they have, they have what, they have 15, eight, was it 15, 20, and 25, something like that. So they have 15, 15 and 20, and 26. So to me, they go, they go for the highest upside left. The highest upside left is Harry Giles. If he's healthy, which is a big if, and again, they can probably wait a year on it while he, fully, he recovers more and more, um, that it's it's a risky pick, but I think you can take it with three of these guys because he remember he was the number one recruit in the country coming out, and then just has dealt with knee issues. So if they've cleared him, I think at fifteen, I think it's a worthy it's a worthy risk. See, and I, okay, so I have Giles. I have him going at twenty to the sa- for the same reason. I think I don't think he gets cleared this early, uh, and I think that they they will go a different direction, sort of the same in that. They want some upside, but I think they go for Justin Patton at a crate, the center, slash power forward. Okay. Oklahoma City – oh, sorry. I jumped again. Chicago, who can use a little bit of everything. Taj Gibson a free, went to Oklahoma City. They are now – rumors are that Dwayne Wade is opting into the contract. They still have Rajon Rondo. They still have Jimmy Butler. Where is Chicago going? <sighs> Chicago goes best talent available because there's nothing on Chicago other than Butler, who is in the midst of a zillion different trades. Um, that would be untouchable. I mean, wait, they can't trade, but this team is going nowhere. So if I'm Chicago, I probably go prospect. I probably go bigger prospect than anything else. Um, I think they go the, the center from UCLA, Anik Bagu, because um, you have, they have no they really have no center. And again, this team is not going anywhere in the next. You know, they give Boston a scare in the playoffs. They're not going anywhere in the next year or two. So if he, this is a guy who can develop over time. Completely agree with the rationale. Different player, but completely agree with the rationale. And I have them going with Jared Allen out of Texas, who I think has has great skills, just hasn't had enough time. And that, look, this is going to be a a saying that we say, a saying that we say, something that we say throughout this in the second half of the draft is upside, because the majority of these players are going to be freshmen and sophomores. It's all about upside here. I don't believe I have one senior going the rest of the draft, which would mean I do not have one senior in the whole first round. <laughs> you have a senior in the first round? I believe I have one, but um, I'm actually confirming that he's a senior. <laughs> Is it on. Frank? Uh, no, he's not a senior. He's not a senior. I don't have a senior. 
I do not have a senior going in the first round. Yeah. I mean, Frank Jackson is not – is he a – no, he's no, a freshman. he's a freshman. Yeah. No, sorry, I was confusing him with Justice Jackson. Either way, Justin Jackson's a junior. I do not have one senior in the entire first round of the draft. Yeah. Quite a change. <laughs> okay. 17. 17 is the Milwaukee Bucks under new management. And could use a big guy. They could definitely use a big guy. Greg Monroe really not doing what he needs to be doing. And I'm taking your guy out of Bayou here for the same reason. Um, you know, they, 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 Henson seems to have kind of faded out a little bit. Monroe is not much of a, you know, when I look at this team, you know, you have, you have the Greek freak. You have, if, if you can say healthy Parker and Middleton, which kind of gives you your solid three, I think you need a, you need a big board guy. So, you know, kind of take one of the names that you threw out a little bit earlier. I'm going to go with John Collins. Uh, the power forward from Wake Forest. Okay. And now we are on to the Indiana Pacers. Yeesh. Who, after the news of Paul George, and we could we could take a minute and talk about Paul George because you had said to me, does his trade value go down to zero? And I had told you I don't think his trade value changes at all. I think Paul George did the Pacers a, a favor here. Thank you. Well, that was the other way. That's the other way. We, if, if I could have stayed on the call a little bit longer, and I apologize for those listening that I couldn't. Um, sometimes these things happen. Um, yeah, the question wasn't you know was what he did wrong. The question was, I mean, definitively that he did it wrong. It was more of a was this the right way to handle it? It's a defu- so this way, A, it does give Indiana time to make a trade, or B, on the other 180-degree other side, this you know, precludes them from getting any additional value on the trade. Now, if they can get Kevin Love, you know, that's a different that, – then that's a – to me, that's, that's, that's as good as you're going to get. Um, but, you know, we'll see how it plays out. Well, what do you think his value is? The problem, I, if I'm them, I push for Kevin Love because Kevin Love is not going to help Cleveland beat Golden State. And that's all Cleveland is based upon at this point. There's no reason to think short of an injury to LeBron or LeBron that they're not going to run through the East, probably not run through the East yet again next year. So... Um, in my mind, if this is what you need to do, the one-year rental potentially to make a serious run at Golden State and make one, you got to do it. Um, would I okay, rather so have three or four years hold on, of, of let's Kevin, look Lo- at Kevin Love? It. Right. Let's look at it from Indiana's point of view. So you're acquiring Kevin Love for $23 million, if not more, for four years. We saw what Kevin Love was in Minnesota as a number one, right? He's not a championship player as a number one. Uh, do you believe you could build a championship around Kevin Love? 
Probably not. But again, I also think this was not the right happenstance for him to be able to develop into that. Um, you know, it's one thing going from number one to a number two. It's another going from number one to number three. And for an offense that probably didn't suit him particularly, doesn't suit him particularly well. So wherever he goes, most likely he's not going to, and again, I, I think he's out. Um, and for Cleveland with their glut of power forwards, you know, as he said, you know, 80 million to Tristan Thompson. And you know, someone's got to get, they, they need the swing, you know, Shumpert just, is not the player to do it. J.R. Smith's not the player to do it. So they need that ultra-athletic guy who can be a, a high-level third option book on the offense and be a number one option on the defense, which George gives you, as, as with Butler, but just in a, I mean, but they're not trading for Butler, um, but just in a different way. So I, if I'm Indiana, I do it. If I'm Cleveland... I would re- I would I would probably do it on either side. Well, I think Cleveland has to do it. I don't think Indiana yeah. does. You think Indiana? I think can that's more? the difference. Well, what I think what do you Indiana, think is the, what do you think is the ceiling? Well, I think, for George. I, I think. Well, here's the thing. I don't know if Paul. I don't know if getting a Kevin Love at four years and that amount of money is worth getting Kevin Love. If you don't believe that Kevin Love is A, going to be happy, B, going to be a number one option, or C, if you can't flip him therein, is it worth having mediocrity? Mediocrity in the NBA is horrendous, right? You don't want to be that mediocre team. It's as we have said many times before, if you're a Knicks fan, are you happy with a – you said this last year, Knicks fans, are you happy just getting to the playoffs? Because if you are, then great. But that's where Indiana's ceiling would be, just getting to the playoffs. So I don't know. I mean, if you're – right now the Lakers have acquired another first-round pick. If they called Indiana and said, we will give you, we have now the 28th and 27th pick in the draft. We will give you both of those picks and Jordan Clarkson for Paul George. I think Indiana says yes in a heartbeat. Do you? The problem with Clarkson is, and I realize he's not the, the linchpin of the deal, is he's going to be your backup point guard to Teague for the next couple of years. Yep. At so you're, tra- you're trading, you're trading two. You're trading a superstar again, albeit one who's not going to stay with you, for two relatively mediocre picks and a guy who's not going to start. Yep. I'm not sure how excited I am by that trade. Is it excited? I guess that's my point. 
You have to be excited. If you're Indiana, are you, if you're Indiana, if you're the Indiana front office, is excitement what you're looking for? Or are you looking to build another team? Like you yeah, said to me, what is the what is the floor, right? What is the floor? Well, this may be your floor, because to me, this is to take a twenty-seven, a twenty, the eighth best, twenty-seven and twenty-eighth picks don't do much for me. Okay. And I realize Indiana needs to build, needs to rebuild again because Monty Ellis is ninety-seven years old. Jeff Teague was disappointing. Really, you're building around Miles Turner which yep. was a nice piece, but you need a bit more. The problem is, A, people are not going to really want to go to Indiana. It's not a place people aspire to as a free agent. Um, and number two, you're stuck in that mediocre, what I call the Atlanta Hawksville, of like 15 to 20 every year. So, you know, bringing in well, 27 and 28 is not, is not doing much for me. But are you better off getting just Kevin Love and putting him next to Miles Turner? Are you any less in that Atlanta Hawks situation? No, I think you're a better team with Kevin Love than you are. Now, I have to look at the rest of their cap room because I don't know what it is right now. I think I would rather have Kevin Love than have picks 27 and 28. Okay. Um, and a That's backup fair. point guard. That's fair. And I think you'd be able to flip love in a year, quite frankly. So if that's the case, then I think you're, you're winning. If you, can flip, if you can make a point to flipping love for better picks, I would do that deal as well. I just don't think keeping Kevin Love helps them more than just getting to mediocrity. Okay, so who do you have Indiana picking? Because I have them taking TJ Leaf. And I, I think they need shooting with Monty Ellis just being so awful last year. Um, I have them going. Uh, the, the guy who, the one who went to play in Australia, uh, Terrence Ferguson. Terrence Ferguson. Okay, Indiana down. Your favorite team, Atlanta up. <laughs> they don't need a point guard. Uh, Atlanta is impossible to figure out other than, yes, with Schrader, they don't need a point guard because you don't know what they're going to do with Millsap. And the problem is you re-sign Millsap, he takes your cap, and he's not going to get you anywhere. So I think you go for be- – I just, again, I think you go best player available. Um, I look at Justin Patton, who I know is off your board, but I think I go here with TJ Leaf. Okay. And I have, just like you said, best available, and that's just Justin Jackson, who plays actually a position where they don't have anybody, and that's small forward, having I traded think it's Kyle Porter. Porter. Yeah, exactly. Okay, we're back up to Portland, and this is where Portland, to me, goes Harry Giles, for the exact same reason you said before, three first-round picks, Let's take a chance. All right. Um, I actually, at this point, again, you, you look overseas, you look at a guy like Hartenstein from Germany or, or, or uh, what's his name, 
the guy from Serbia that played in Serbia, Jonah, the name is escaping me off the top of my head, Jonah Bolden. Um, I think at the end of the day, since I, even though they took, they, they did well with Nursich, you have a guy you can develop in Patton from Creighton. That makes, that makes a lot of sense to me. Well, that's funny because we both have Patton and Giles going to Portland. We just have them in flipped picks. That is kind of funny. Okay, Oklahoma City, who is, in my opinion, hoping that Justin Jackson lasts. I think this would be a perfect guy for them in that he'll come in and score. Unfortunately, he does not last in my draft. So who goes here? An interesting conundrum, Mr. Cannons. And as you <laughs> said, for, they need to score. <laughs> no? Not well, an interesting Justin conundrum Jackson. for you. No, the Justin Jackson. Oh, you have Justin Jackson. Jackson. You have Justin yeah. Jackson. And I assume that's who you have going here. Yes. Okay. I want to pick Terrence Ferguson, but the guy can't hit the broad side of a barn. Eh, Truth be told. It's never stopped anyone before. I know, but with this team, I think it does mean something. I think they need some guy that can come in and shoot the basket. He, Ferguson, that, to me, you have, a, you, you have Oladipo, who is your, two, your athletic two-guard, who's not a shooter. Right. So I right, agree that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I think they take a power forward because Kyle Taj Gibson is a free agent at the end of this year. So I think they take a forward. Now, do they take a Jonah Bolden? Do they take a Tony Bradley? You know, I don't see any real great selections for them. I don't see that score. And that's what happens when you're in mediocrity. And that's what they are at this point. Man, it's – I'm going to take – I'm going to go with Bolden. I think, I think they go here. I don't like the pick <laughs> at all, but I think they go Bolden. And here we are with the Brooklyn Nets. And I will let you pick first on Brooklyn. Well, I, I look at what Nets – Damn if I know. <laughs> No, I actually think there's some there's some sense here. Um, they they have they now have their guards in Lynn and Lynn and D'Angelo Russell and Levert. So between the three of them, you have your guards. Yep. You're, you have you have Jefferson as your forward is one of your forwards. You can either go forward, and they just brought in Mozgov, who's you know to me a backup. So you can you go for you go for a four or they may have Trevor Booker who's kind of a nice power forward. I think you go big man, which leaves me with one of two guys, either Allen or Adebayo, and I am not an Adebayo guy. So I'm going I'm going Jared Allen. Okay, and since I have Allen off, I go Adebayo, and I think that is exactly the case, because now especially with the loss of. Hold on. The loss of Brooke Lopez, who they just traded, 
look, this is a team that does not have a first-round pick next year. They need to swing for the fences and keep swinging and swing and swing and swing. And the two guys that I could see, one of these two guys going, would be Anabagu or Terrence Ferguson. Because I think they would just, they got to keep swinging for the fences. And they just gave up a first-round pick for D'Angelo Russell, which I think is a tremendous deal. Uh, we haven't even talked about it from about that deal. And we'll get to that in pick number 27. But I think that's a tremendous deal. Okay, we're on to Toronto, who with the 23rd pick, who may lose their, their point guard if Kyle, if Kyle Lowry decides to leave. But I think they look far in here. They may lose Serge Ibaka. I think they take, man, I can't pronounce this guy's name. And Zayt's Pasekness, a center out of Latvia. Latvia. Yeah, he strikes me as he strikes me as a uh, he he strikes me as a, as a Utah or a San Antonio guy, where they just where they just <laughs> do what they do because that's all they ever do. Um, I actually think they lose Ibaka, so they go power forward or slash kind of that power forward slash center. And I don't know if what they're going to do in regards to Lowry, whether they can resign him. I think they go out of Bayou here. Okay. 24 overall. Here's your Utah guy. Is this who you're picking for Utah? Yeah, I kind of like – I actually – I kind of like the uh, – now, um, the problem is they need – they got another problem because they have both George Hill and Gordon Hayward as – and we don't know if they're going to be able to resign either of them. I'm assuming they have Exum to back up Hill. There is no backup for Hayward, but no one they're going to draft is going to be suitable in that regard. Um, I think they need the flexibility of a foreign guy so they can pretty much, it allows a little bit more cap room. So I think, actually, I think Pesekniks makes sense makes sense there. Okay. And I have them for a very similar reason that you just said, it's the Gordon Hayward situation. I have them taking a flyer on Terrence Ferguson here. I think they can, they can wait it out. They have such a young team. Orlando, who I think would love for Ferguson to be here. I think that they would take a shot every day with Ferguson being here. But unfortunately, he's not. And Orlando... I had Jared Allen, and yet I have Jared Allen going to Chicago. There's a big problem there. <laughs> Can't have him going to two places. I have them taking DJ Wilson. Yeah, I'm not particularly excited about, you know, I, I look at Orlando. Do I look at a point guard like a, like a Jawan Adams? Um, do I look at the guy from Colorado? Uh, the name's escaping me right now. Um, you know, it, it seems like Orlando just kind of is always in this mess of nowhere. They have centers. They have Aaron Gordon. They have, uh, crap, the small forward whose name is escaping me right now. Um, you know, Peyton hasn't developed. I, I guess you go best player available. 
as much as I like to find a point guard that works for me here, I just don't have one. So you know, maybe they just kind of need a little bit of an, you know, he's a little, it's a little bit early now. I'm trying to think here. So give me a second. They need a shooter. Maybe this is where they go Bolden from Australia. You know, he kind of, that two, that two, three combo. Um, Cause I don't love it, but I, I don't see what they need where they can be helped where they are. Okay. Now we're on to Portland and I think Portland stash is Bolden right here. And I think Portland's stash is Isaiah Hartenstein. Okay. We're up to the Lakers back to back picks for the Lakers. First one is the Brooklyn one. Second one is their own. Do you like the trade? All right. Yeah, for the Lakers, I do. Um, Russell becomes redundant with Lonzo Ball, although it's, con- it's a concession of a waste of a, se- a number two overall pick. You get a legitimate center in Lopez, you get, and you get an additional pick. You, assume George, you, you can't per se assume George is coming in, but right now you have Ball, you have Ingram, you have Clarkson, and you have Brooke Lopez and the potential of George. I think... I think you look for you look for. I think you look at a couple things. I think you look at you look at a good, smart, all-around player. I like Josh Hart here, actually. Um, the kind of the swingman from 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 Phoenix. Uh, I think he's a little bit smaller than Brandon Ingram. I think he's more of a two to me than a three. And I think he just has a maturity did you say that. From, did, did Did you say the se- senior from Phoenix? Senior from Villanova. Right. Okay. I did. You said Phoenix. <laughs> Sorry. Um, oh no. no, that's fine. Senior. I was just wondering. So that that's who I have going twenty-seven. So um, they're taking back-to-back. They're taking back-to-back point guards, as far as you're concerned. Well, Hart's not a point guard. No. Right. Uh, the, no, Hart's not a point guard. They had Brunson. They have DRs. The year before they had DR, I forget sure. how to pronounce sure. your last He's name. More of a shooting guard. Yeah, yeah, shooting yeah. Guard. you're right. Uh, yep. And then I'd probably look for a big guy, the be- best big guy available at this point, um, who's probably here is probably where I look for DJ Wilson. Because I don't think I don't think I have I've taken him yet. You have not. So I have at 27, I have them going Tony Bradley because although they are getting Brooke Lopez, Brooke Lopez is a one-year deal for me. I think he's done after one year. I don't think they re-sign him, and I think Bradley would be great for them. And I have Jason Hart. I had Jason Hart from the very beginning at 28 going to them. You mean so Jason Hart was they, the point guard from Syracuse. Sorry, Josh Hart. I think Hart. you're mixing. Yeah, I am Josh Hart. Okay, San Antonio with 29. And we love San Antonio because they always like to, to stash people. But I don't have them stashing anybody. I have them taking Frank Jackson, the point guard from Duke. Actually, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, I do as well. Thank you. Because I think he has a promise – whether it's Frank Jack, whether it's San Antonio at 29 or Utah at 30. 
Um, in San Antonio, he he seems he does have that Tony Parkerish kind of feel to him. Quick, Agreed. good shooter, smart guy, smart player. Agreed. So, and with the thirtieth pick in the draft, the Utah Jazz select my friend, the man with the stash, Tyler Lydon out of Syracuse. And we keep our oh. first round streak alive. Well, that's pretty much the reason that you picked them. <laughs> um, no, I think he actually could go there. Look, you have Derek Favors, who is a banger. He's not an outside shooter. Tyler Lydon is a stretch four. If they lose Gordon Hayward, they have no outside shooting. Zero. Lydon could be an outside shooter with favors banging down below or Rudy Gobert down below. I I think that this is a good pick. Okay. All right, so who do you got so, for Utah? Since since you ridiculed my pick, where is he go where is this one going? <laughs> I look in regor- in regards to okay, if Hayward leaves, who's gonna replace him? So you're looking, yep. you're looking at that three, four, and the best guy out there, you know, kind of a guy with a little bit of experience, is the Duke transfer to SMU. Um, Ojo, Semi Ojo, 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 I can never pronounce the name Ojoleye, but he plays. He's a solid three and D, good defensive player, and I, I think he fits well. Seth, ladies and gentlemen, Seth Kamen's coming in for the draft. Now is um, – I'm sorry, who was the last player? Because I couldn't even hear his pronunciation. I think you need to go to English class. It starts at 730. Well, who was it? I, I do. Ojolaye. Ojolaye. Semi-Ojolaye. Ojolaye. Okay, got him. SMU, got him. Okay. Well, next week we'll go through this and see how much we all suck and how much, once again, we can't predict anything. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right, All right. We'll, be, we'll be back at the same time next week, 7 o'clock. So, uh, to Seth Gaiman's everybody, round of applause for a shitty draft that we – oh, I shouldn't have said that. For a crappy draft that we all do. Okay, bye-bye. I guess he dropped off. Anyway, so we got about eight minutes to go. I could start talking about the, the Jets. I could start talking about the Mets. I could start talking about the Knicks. Oh, I could start talking about the Knicks. And I could go on and on and on and on, on about how bad the, all of my teams are. I really could. But the one thing I had failed to do last week on this show that I really would like to do now is wish all the fathers out there a very happy belated Father's Day. And none so more than to my brother, who does a fantastic job, but to all of my friends, who also do fantastic jobs with their children, Seth included. Talk all the time, joke all the time how I have all of this free time because I do not have children. Well, I'll tell you, I am in awe, absolute awe of the work that fathers do on a daily basis and what they put forth on a daily basis to make sure that their kids are happy. So, Happy, happy belated Father's Day to 
the many, many fathers that tune into the show and to my esteemed colleague and co-host and best friend, Seth Kamins. So Thursday is the draft. We just went through the mock draft. And what are you going to see me doing Thursday night? Well, I don't have plans to watch the draft right now. And in the last couple of years, I haven't watched it. I've been at a bar or I've been out with some friends. And I casually look at it because, truth be told, much like our caller earlier said, the Knicks are going to screw it up. They always do. They just can't be easy. Even Porzingis, yeah, it turned out to be the right pick, but there was so much controversy behind it that you never felt, even with Phil Jackson, you never felt like you had a grasp on it that he was your guy. How many trades are we going to see in the NBA draft? My over-under is three. We've already seen two, but I won't count those. So let's say our Let's say we do count those, and my over-under is four. Four trades for the entire NBA draft. I, I, I think we see some action at the top, which we've already done. I think we might see another trade at the three spot with the Celtics, who might be looking to get out. I think Paul George does move. It may not be on the first day, but it will certainly be thereafter. Okay. So we talked a little bit about basketball, a little bit, a lot about basketball the one thing that we have not talked about is the NFL, the NHL expansion draft. And I talked earlier about how I have not won a championship in 30 years. I think you all know this. Trust me. I know you all know this. 1986. And my beloved Islanders, and much like my Knicks, much like my Jets, and much like my Mets, the Islanders are always the laughingstock of the league. No more than this week, where we have the expansion draft coming up, which will, all, the, uh, all the picks will be determined tomorrow and announced in some show at like 8 o'clock. So much for a draft. It's basically one team. So who's drafting? You're just picking. And you were allowed to pick seven skaters, seven forwards, three defensemen, and one goalie or you were able to pick uh, any number of eight players on your team, which generally was a four defenseman if you had a team such as Nashville, which has a tremendous defense. And then you pick four offensive. And the expansion draft list came out, the protected list, came out on Saturday at 10 o'clock. And at 10 o'clock, I logged into NHL.com and looked on LighthouseHockey.com only to my chagrin when I saw that the Islanders were the only team that went with three forwards and five defensemen. Five! A guy named Adam Pellick, not Pollock, not Ryan Pollock, Adam Pellick was protected by the Islanders. The fifth defenseman on the Islanders was protected. And you could have... It's a good thing I live in a rented apartment and that I would have to pay for any damage that was happening here. Because truth be told, I was ready to make damage in my apartment. I don't know what Garth Snow is doing. I don't know what the Islanders are doing. But I will tell you right now, July 1st is when John Tavares can be resigned. 
And if somehow Gart Snow pulls a rabbit out of his hat, signs John Tavares, makes this team better, I will apologize to Gart Snow. But right now, I feel that this guy is the worst general manager in sports. The worst. Worst than Billy Knight. Because he still has a job. And it's really, really sad to be an Islander fan sometimes because you just know, much like a Knicks fan, it's just going to mess it up. All right. So thanks, you all, for tuning in to our NBA draft show. Thanks to the caller that took over the first half hour from Seth. It was much appreciated on, my, on behalf of my voice and everything else that goes along with me. For Seth Kamins, this is Sean Palmer. Next week we'll have a recap of the NBA draft. We'll talk a little bit about NBA free agency, along with the expansion draft and so on and so forth. For Seth Kamins, this has been Sean Palmer. Backsportspage.com, blog talk radio, Seth and Sean Sports Radio. And we'll see you next week. All right, everybody? Have a great week and enjoy the weather. See ya. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.